Welcome, folks. Another week has passed. A week of politics, a week of news, and unfortunately, a week of tragedy. Um, with that said, I want to warn y'all that today's episode is going to be covering some tragic stories. One being the the story behind the killing of uh, Dante Wright. Um, and furthermore, I'll be covering the tragic story behind the U.S. involvement in uh, the Saudi-led war in Yemen, um, which, again, is quite the... There's a lot of people and children dying in that in that war, um, innocent people. I'm covering uh, some tragedies today. Um, anyway, I just wanted to give y'all a quick heads up before jumping into the conversation of police brutality, uh, murder, and, and, and war deaths and whatnot. Um, anyway, more on today's show. Uh, Amazon union efforts fail in the Besmer, Alabama uh, union vote. Um, some Johnson & Johnson vaccine news. And the Biden administration will further militarize borders. And far-right domestic terrorism is on a, a rise, a big rise. Um, all that on today's show. Uh, folks, I'm Mark Swartz, and this is the Politically Vulgar Podcast. First, I'm going to uh, start with the Alabama Amazon Warehouse unionization vote. Uh, the Alabama Arizona Warehouse organizers lost in the unionization uh, efforts. The vote ended with a majority of workers voting no on deciding instead to oppose uni opposing unionization. 738 workers at the Besmer-located warehouse voted to unionize, however, and unfortunately, more than twice that number voted against unionizing. Now, some say the battle isn't entirely over. The retail, wholesale, and department store union claims Amazon illegally interfered in the vote and plans to file unfair labor practice charges with the natural labor uh relations our plans to file charges with the natural labor relations um amazon worked hard pushing uh anti-union propaganda uh, and it's no secret i covered this already um, many people have talked about this uh, many independent journalists have covered this many media companies uh, or media news companies such as like CNN and others New York Times have kind of lied about this uh, the company held uh, mandatory meetings in which workers had been forced fed uh, anti-union rhetoric including lies about the implication implication implications of forming a union 
Um, workers were often bombarded with anti-union flyers and bathroom stalls. Further anti-union tactics used by the company included an anti-union website. Company included a or or, or uh, the company sent anti-union text messages to their workers. Uh, they posted anti-union banners in the facilities. The company. Uh, the company ran ads on a Twitch-owned, anti-union ads on a Twitch-owned, uh, Twitch-owned, on an Amazon-owned streaming service, Twitch. I'm getting ahead of myself on, on, on telling the story. Um, I saw a lot of those ads. Uh, Hassan Piker, who is a political Twitch streamer, even covered those ads because those ads were occurring during his show where he talks about the unionizing efforts and why they're a good thing. Um, so, while he's educating viewers on what you, being a part of a work union or labor union means, uh, Amazon was uh, littering the platform with anti-union ads. Um, furthermore, the company required workers to attend lectures that had been filled with mistruths and lies. Workers were forced to listen to the company demands were forced to listen to that the company demands of opposing unions or the union. Amazon flooded the internet, the radio, social media, and TV with anti-union ads and misinformation. Uh, Amazon, as I covered before, previously on the show, uh, also put out a bunch of tweets that the those. Uh, social media uh, anti-union tweets that I talked about where they also tried to deny well-known horrifying uh, working conditions such as drivers of the the, the, the on-road fleet in the trucks having to piss and shit in bottles and bags while on job because their quotas are they have to reach these insane quotas, and they don't have time to take breaks. Uh, also, those pissing in bottles and shitting in bags things take place, in some instances, in warehouses. So it's not just in the trucks. It's occurring on numeral grounds, or numerous grounds within the company. Um, of course, those tweets tried to cover that up, even though... Their own documents show, as I covered this before, and as Ken Klippenstein revealed in, in his great work at The Intercept, that they know about this. They know about the pissing in bottles and the shitting in bags. And it's also something that can lead to an employee infraction based on their company policy. So not only do they know about it, but they punish for it. But they do nothing to change the working conditions that force these workers to have to result in the dehumanizing action of pissing in a bottle and shitting in a bag. Uh, furthermore, the company convinced the United States Postal Service to install a mailbox where you would cast your mail-in ballots on warehouse grounds, allowing for Amazon man management themselves to monitor ballots and pressure workers as they cast their ballots. 
furthermore, 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 I feel like I keep saying furthermore when talking about this story because Amazon truly, truly pumped themselves, or, or pumped their workers full of this anti-union rhetoric and, and brainwashing with all this propaganda. The uh, anti-union propaganda uh, efforts cost the company millions. They spent millions on these efforts to convince their employees not to vote for unions or for to unionize. Um, many, many, many workers have voiced their unhappiness with Amazon working conditions. So the fact that this vote came back no. And many workers have been protesting and organizing for this union. So the fact that this vote came back as no was alarming to to the the retail wholesale department store union. Look, the company, the company's management should not have the right to monitor the ballots taking place in an election that is voting for or against unionizing in the company or within the company. That's, I mean, that's, that's like Joe Biden or Donald Trump literally sitting and standing at where you go to cast your vote for president being like, hey, I see you. I see you're here to vote. I see you got that ballot in your hand. Who are you voting for? Who are you voting for? You know, Biden's going to raise the taxes on 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 mega million dollar companies, billion dollar companies. Not on you, but he's going to raise taxes. That's that's what's happened. That's that's essentially what happened. Um There has been some great coverage over the years of the shitty work conditions. Um, there has been great efforts to combat the shitty working conditions. Bernie Sanders has led great efforts. Uh, Elon Omar has has fought for uh, is pro union has fought for the the working conditions of Amazon to improve. Um, Elizabeth Warren, many progressives, and and Joe Biden even came out. And said he supported the, the union efforts here. Um, but again, the results came back no. Um, however, like I said, the battle may not be over yet. Um, as the wholesale and department store, or retail wholesale and department store union has came out and said this election was not fair and was not a free um, and from what the, the, the story tells us and the information shows, it wasn't. All of this propaganda being fed to these employees while they're working in shitty working conditions. Like, honestly, you can make the argument, perhaps it's maybe a stretch, but you can make an argument that this propaganda being bombarded with these banners everywhere you go within the fucking warehouse is just another shitty working condition, you know? 
anyway, uh, like I said, the battle continues as the retail, wholesale, and department store union seeks a new election. Um, still hoping, me personally, that there, there's a chance there. Hopefully. Uh, because... That was... That was... It was a big election. It meant something big. The meaning behind it, the movement behind it was big. Of course, just because the election is is lost doesn't mean the the meaning behind the efforts is not as powerful or the movement should stop. The movement should this just means we have to further further penetrate and 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 maybe that wasn't the best word to use but whatever become even more aggressive in our efforts to to unionize as as workers not just at amazon throughout our in, in companies throughout the country um anyway moving on to to the next little quick story uh u.s is pausing uh, here in the U.S., we're pausing the use of the Johnson & Johnson COVID vaccine as health experts call for an immediate pause in the use of the company's single-dose vaccine after six recipients developed complications from blood clots within two weeks of their doses. One woman has died and another has been hospitalized and it is, uh, and she is in critical condition. The clotting problems, however, appear to be quite rare. Um, as of Monday, 6.8 million doses of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine have been administered. Administrated. Administered. Um, so, six recipients out of 6.8 million. Um, actually, that number, how I'm phrasing that may not be most accurate. Oh, yeah, it is, because it is a single-dose shot. Sorry, 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 sorry. It's a single-dose shot. So 6 million, 6.8 million people have received the single-dose shot. And 6 out of those 6.8 million, 6 people, 6 singular, single-digit number, out of 6.8 million people have had these blood clotting complications. So like I said again, it, it, it is a rare uh, thing. But... Uh, it appears it's better to, to I guess, be concerned here because there's a lot of insecurity around these vaccines, a lot of misinformation about the vaccines, um, and a lot of conspiracy theories about the, the vaccines. Top officials of both the FDA and the CDC have stressed that the clotting problems have not been seen in the vaccines made by Moderna and the Pfizer Bio and Tech Partnership. Um, so there's still vaccines that, that that are safe bets. I mean, we have to we have to get vaccinated, um, and the efforts to get us vaccinated so far has have have been now lately pretty good. We're vaccinating at a pretty pretty solid rate. Um, however. You know, that is requiring some uh, vaccine nationalism, as uh, Sam Piker has put it on his show. 
And I agree, you know, because we have this effort to vaccinate everybody here or vaccinate everybody here. And but we have to also realize that, like, there is a responsibility that we have as the wealthier nation and other wealthy nations to help vaccinate the poorer nations, because ultimately. If we want to get close to something of uh, uh, as eradicating this disease, this this virus, even though they say we won't truly uh, eradicate it, we just will find ourselves in an endemic situation. We have to realize that if we don't take care of these poorer nations, um, the risk of COVID is still out there. So to be so nationalistic with our COVID vaccination process kind of fucks us over too um i mean that's how nationalism on any front besides covid vaccines kind of works out nationalism fucks us over in in, in, in any regards um but especially with a, a global fucking pandemic um anyway from here we do have to help the poorer nations vaccinate uh, uh, their people as well. Absolutely. Um, another story here quickly. Uh, the Biden administration strikes an agreement with Mexico, Honduras, and Guatemala to further militarize borders in efforts to keep asylum seekers, asylum seekers, from reaching the United States. Um, even though Biden is the, the, in the Republicans' eyes, the president is just like, come here, folks. Come here, asylum seekers. Come to America. Uh, that Which is just not true. Uh, these Republican politicians can continue to fucking lie all they want, but here we are seeing that the Biden administration is working to further militarize borders to keep asylum seekers from reaching the United States. Also, the Biden administration is still deporting people at high rates. 70% of these asylum seekers are being turned away and sent back. That's not open fucking borders. When 70%, at least 70% of these people are being turned away and not allowed to come in, that that's not the open border, open border uh, uh, chaos crisis that the Republicans are painting it to be. On Monday, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said the objective is to make it more difficult for asylum seekers to make it more difficult for asylum seekers to seek asylum. Uh, those weren't her exact words. Uh, those were my words, but that's that's. She wants. To, she said to to make it more difficult for them to reach the the country. Um, again, these are asylum seekers seeking asylum. So, translate that into the literal meaning. It does mean that that the objective is to make it more difficult for asylum seekers to seek 
safety, asylum, a better fucking life to escape the awful conditions in their country that are most, uh, honestly, uh, created by our imperialism, our imperialistic endeavors. Um, many are children, families, uh, and, and the Biden administration has, uh, agreed to further militarize against children and families seeking asylum. Uh, we are deploying more troops from, again, seeking the safety and a better life. Uh, deployment of more than 18,000 police and military personnel in total. Troops and security forces which have frequently uh, been accused of using excessive force uh, and excessive violence against, again... Asylum seekers, again, mostly families and fucking children. It's important to know that the previous militarized attempts to prevent or, or to reduce the number of uh, people traveling across borders, migrants, asylum seekers from... from to reduce the number of them from crossing all these borders, uh, has forced migrants, has done nothing to prevent it, right? It has only forced asylum seekers to take riskier routes of, of travel, which exposes them to heightened risk of robbery, rape, abduction, and death. So not only are we personally militarizing against children and asylum seekers and families, but we are exposing them to robbery, rape, abduction, and death. People looking for a better life. And we're... Um, of course, and rightfully so, me personally as well, uh, many people have, have, have condemned this decision, human rights, uh, defenders have condemned this decision, activists has, have condemned this decision. It, it further, uh, highlights our white nationalism even in the D Democratic Party. Honestly. The fear, the stupid fear, the unrealistic fear of these young brown children and these families that they're I mean from the Republicans talking point that they're bringing drugs crime rape yada 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 even though data constantly shows that's not true data constantly shows that that's not true 
Furthermore, data constantly shows that the violence and, and, and rape and crime rate is constantly being driven up by national-born citizens. I, I ha the next story covers that. We... Look. The only way to truly end this, this border crisis... Is by... Providing an easier pathway to citizenship. Not one that takes eight years... Because if, you're, if your legislation isn't going to, to be within four years, it, it's kind of pointless. Or, or have any effect in four... If it doesn't have any effect in four years, it's pointless. To an extent. Um, we need to... to Provide, like I said, an easier pathway to citizenship. We need to make it easier for these folks, these asylum seekers, to seek that asylum, to seek that better life, to seek the safety, to become American citizens, to become American workers, and to become American taxpayers. But we don't do that. We... Look... I said this before. Nobody truly wants to cut down on the illegal immigration. Because, again, in our capitalistic society, we allow these illegal immigrants to come into our country. We have a permanent, permanent, absolutely low working class that can be exploited for labor and that when they oppose their or, or voice about their labor being exploited they can just be deported and then companies can and, and can can hire some other person that will work for shitty ass wages So this effort, again, is, is bullshit because it, it all kind of shows, or not shows, but, but creates a pointless effort because, again, it just leads these asylum seekers to take riskier routes of travel to get here. They still are coming and getting in here. I don't care that they come in here and get here. I think we should be welcoming them in, and as I stated, provide an easier pathway to citizenship. Allow them to become American citizens easier, easy, more easily. Allow them to become American workers more easily, like I just said. And provide them with actual good living wages. But instead, we do measures, or we take action like this, that makes it seem like it's going to halt this illegal immigration issue, but doesn't. Same thing with the border wall. 
Same exact thing. They're asylum seekers. We can't be making their efforts to seek asylum harder. Anyway. Um, Far-right domestic terrorism is on the rise in the U.S. Data shows that there is a rise, again, of domestic terrorism. Furthermore, the Washington Report posts that homegrown incidents surged to a record high in 2020. And despite Trump's constant bitching and moaning and crying that it was the left that was doing all this domestic terrorism and this violence... Uh, evidence shows that the domestic violence is fueled by white supremacists, anti-Muslims, or anti-Muslim, anti-government, white, right-wing extremists. Since 2015, these white, white-wing, I mean, it is the white-wing for, for most part, uh, right-wing Extremists have been involved in 267 plots or attacks leading to 91 deaths. Again, this data shows exactly the exact opposite of what Trump was claiming. We are constantly seeing that data on things constantly is showing the exact opposite of what Donald Trump is claiming. Election fraud. Donald Trump claimed there was widespread election fraud. Data showed, uh, well, no. Uh, there fucking isn't. Furthermore, data shows that there's widespread voting suppression efforts by the Republicans. Um, in Trump's own words, in Trump's own words, he claimed that everything I see is from the left wing. But again, uh, those who value truth, those who value facts aren't surprised to to realize that that's just not true. That this data confirms that it's just not true. We, on the left mostly, and, and, and even Democrats, know that just about everything Donald Trump claimed was uh, the exact opposite of the truth, which is bullshit. Um, and that the truth that we know as the truth was fake news. So, this data, uh, this data isn't going to mean jack shit to those who believe that the truth is fake news and that the fake news is the truth. Welcome to America and the confusion of fucking everything. Um, the data shows, truthfully, that right-wing... Extremism and violence has surged to levels not seen in a quarter of a century. The most common targets of these violent incidents have been location targets of these violent incidents have been mosques, synagogues, black churches, abortion clinics, and government buildings. The insurrection, January 6, 2021. 
Um, furthermore, many victims of this violence have been black Americans, Jewish Americans, immigrants, LGBTQ individuals, Asians, and other people of color. This violence has come in forms of vehicular violence, gun violence, knife violence, and even bombing and, as the report said, fists. <laughs> Domestic violence incidents were carried out by far-right extremists at rates of four times higher than that of left-wing incidents. But obviously the violent organization, uh, far-left organization Antifa is, is what we have to worry about. They're the violent motherfuckers that are going to take over this country, right? The anti-fascists should be feared more than the fascists themselves, right? That's, that's, that's the Trump rhetoric, that's the right-wing rhetoric, even though the data shows that that's just not true. Of course, Republicans and Trump have to excuse the violence of the right, because it's their base, it's their voters, it's their supporters. Not only that, but Trump echoes the mouth shit that these far-right extremists mouth shit when they speak, or when they give an interview. Same mouth shit that comes from these far-right extremists is the same mouth shit that comes from the mouth of Donald Trump and many Republicans in Congress. Meanwhile, anti-fascists like myself are hosting podcasts that get watched by 20 people max each episode. Uh, we horny tweet on Twitter about being so fucking horny during lockdowns and the pandemic. We just want America to finally give people healthcare, free college, better paying wages, and, you know, occasionally we go outside, touch grass, and protest against police brutality and racism and fascism. But we're, we're, we're the violent motherfuckers that this country has to, has to worry about. Look, I, I, I don't deny it. I'm an anti-fascist. I'm 145 pounds. Does it look like I'm somebody to be feared? <laughs> like, let's be honest here. Now, I know that's anecdotal. But the data shows that this left-wing extremism that Trump constantly preached about being the end of America or the who we truly have to worry about the data shows that that's just not true newsflash uh, we just want people to stop being racist and fascist because uh, it's not cool it's not funny, like these comedians, like comedians, like Steven Crowder think it is. Uh, and that's an understatement. To say that racism and, and fascism isn't cool is, is an understatement. Um, imagine, imagine thinking that opposing an all-white supremacist ethnostate, which is what these fuckers want, these white supremacists want, imagine opposing all of that shit 
is the actual bad thing. That opposing those who are horny for white supremacy and and which ultimately would have to lead to to murder to genocide imagine opposing that and or imagine the people are, are thinking that the people that oppose all of that disgusting shit is the actual problem like if you find yourself thinking that the people who oppose the white supremacy and the oftentimes genocidal rhetoric that spins around in their brain if you find yourself believing or opposing the people who oppose all that shit you might be might is 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 probably a word i shouldn't use here you're you're likely a, a nazi you're likely a white supremacist yourself um and if for some reason you're watching my show uh, and, and you're one of those people, one of those Nazi white supremacist apologists. Oh, fuck yourself. Seriously. Um, and if you are one of those who are watching who isn't, uh, a fascist or a racist, um, have yourself a break, because I'm taking a break as well, and hopefully stick around, um, because I do still have a lot of shit to talk about. Um, there's the racism and the brutality of the police, the American U.S. police, to talk about the tragic story of, uh, or the tragic killing of Dante Wright, and uh, more uh, when I come back. I'll see you after the break. back folks to the politically vulgar podcast i hope you have uh, stayed with me here um because now i'm moving on to the bigger stories of course the first one i want to talk about is uh the dante wright tragedy I'm, I'm sure you're all aware that another young black man was killed by the police uh, dante wright who was just 20 years of age was killed by or was killed over an air freshener um, the officer who killed Dante was a 26-year veteran who served as a police union president and who also was a, a field, on-field or, or, or a trainer. She was a trainer herself. Um, she trains other officers but can't figure out the difference between her taser and her Glock. Though police officers are extensively trained with their lethal weapon on their dominant hand side, or on the side of their dominant hand. So, you mean to tell me that this 26-year veteran cop just suddenly forgot which hand was the hand she uses to, to possibly write with, and, and, and do practically everything with? 
she suddenly forgot what hand was her dominant hand. And she suddenly forgot that she was extensively trained herself to know that that lethal gun, the handgun, was on the side of her dominant hand. Furthermore, you're telling me that she couldn't realize that the gun that was in her hand was four times heavier than a taser. Four times heavier than a fucking taser. Not to mention, a taser is bright fucking yellow, and a handgun is black. And, no, black... Black is not the new yellow. Obviously, she can tell, just like many cops, can tell the difference between the color black and white. Um... And yellow is, is, is just as bright as white, if not in some instances, brighter than white. But Mark, she was clearly, it was clearly uh, an accident because she said, oh shit, I shot him. There's a difference between an accident and incompetence. And the fuck up happened before the gunshot, right? The fuck-up happened when she reached for her handgun instead of the taser. And from there, she proceeded to fuck up. The bitch was yelling... Sorry. Not to use a, a... Word that has a sexist connotation behind it. Um, she was shouting, Taser, 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 taser but grabbed the handgun, which again is on the side of her dominant hand and weighs four times heavier than a taser. That's... There's so many fucking up, like so much fucking up there. There's so much incompetence there as a police officer. A 26-year veteran. That is unacceptable from a 26-year veteran. She reached for the handgun instead further fucking up. From the fuck up that had already occurred. And now there is another young man who's dead. Who should be alive. And there is absolutely no fucking justification for this. No previous criminal record. No active arrest warrant. Fuck, I have an active arrest warrant most likely for me. For some stupid petty fine that may be in my mailbox somewhere from one of my four previous residencies. But that's besides the point. The point is, cops aren't supposed to be killing people. Cops aren't the judge, the jury, and the executioner. There's a constitution and there's due fucking process. You can't be pro-constitution and suddenly be like, horny to justify the fucking killing 
killings of these uh, of these police officers that they when they murder or in this instance manslaughter an American citizen and even in the instance that someone did something wrong again there is still due process and again the cop is not the judge the jury and the executioner And, and the fact that we have to have this conversation is ridiculous. But there are dipshits who truly work so hard. So hard to justify this shit. They work harder to defend these, killing, these killer cops than in some instances their own police chiefs. We see that with, with, with uh, 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 the Derek Chauvin trial. Ben Shapiro is working harder to defend Derek Chauvin than, than, than his own police, former police chief. Steven Crowder is working harder to defend Derek Chauvin than his own police chief. At that point, like, if you are working harder to defend these people who kill young black men and you try to defend them, you're showing yourself not as a defender of cops, but as a defender of fucking racism. Like, what's it about when the fucking, yes, the, the yeah, the police chief for, uh, of this instance also resigned, but, and, and he did say she killed Dante accidentally, but he did throw her under the bus and it confirmed that, yes, the taser is on the side of your less dominant hand. The handgun is on the side of your more dominant hand. He provided the facts that that's fucking trained into their heads during extensive, extensive police training. Whatever you want to call extensive police training. I don't understand how we're so, in some instances, like, some people are, oh, this mask Tax my freedoms. And then the next moment, they're defending an authoritarian police state. They're defending cops who take the due process into their own hands. And it's like, oh, boom, guilty. Of what? Having an air freshener hanging from the rearview mirror. Having a marijuana charge. I've had some instances where I've gotten in trouble with the cops for marijuana. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not dead. I was an asshole to the cops during it. Again, that's besides the point, or or, or really that uh, it highlights the existence of yes, white privilege, and that there's an obvious racial problem and, and racial conversation to have when talking about police brutality and excessive use of the police or, or excessive 
police uh, uh, force or, or, or uh, violence and how it, yes, oftentimes police approaching a young black person leads unfortunately often many times many times I mean we see it to, to the person being killed for something that yes a white person may, would not have been Furthermore, uh, this officer who killed Mr. Dante Wright has a shady past herself. If we want to talk about prior uh, pasts here. Um, back in 2019, after two fellow officers killed another person, she gave some questionable orders to her colleagues. In her orders, she, this, uh, uh, she instructed the officers to exit the residence, get into two separate squad cars, and turn off their body cameras, and not to talk to each other. Again, yeah, not only was she being a bastard there, but she encouraged her other uh, colleagues to be bastards as well. And as I've said now three episodes in a row... Uh, I've been calling these cops bastards three episodes in a row. Different cops. Because here in America, every week, just like mass sh shootings, there's an instance of a police officer killing a young black person. I mean, as I wrote this episode, they killed a 13-year-old boy who had his hands up. Um, the name is Toledo? I have his name here. I, I read the story just now before filming this episode and, and after writing this episode. The 13-year-old boy who, who was, uh, just recently killed. Seventh grader. Maybe I'm getting the grade wrong, but that doesn't matter. A 13 year old kid was killed by the cops. Cops. Who had his hands up. Was unarmed. If you don't want to be called bastards, stop giving us reasons to call you fucking bastards. But, uh, that's not enough in my opinion, honestly. I'll get to that in a moment. Um, cops keep killing people. Cops keep having shady practices. So as they keep acting bastardly, yes, I'm going to call them bastards. We'll call them bastards. When you do bastardly shit 
we call you bastardly people. Uh, but it, it's not enough to reform, to train better. It, it, I said it before as well in previous episodes. Yes, defund the police. Demilitarize the police. It's not an idiotic thing to say. The people behind the defund the police movement are thinking more than the people who criticize those who are part of the defund the police movement. The people that are behind the police uh, or defund the police and demilitarize the police movement are thinking, are actually actively thinking of a solution to a clear problem. And as if, if you're a, if you're a detractor who just simply calls them an idiot, you're the one being intellectually lazy. You're not thinking of anything. You're not providing any productive thought to the conversation. You're not providing anything that could productively give a solution to the clear fucking issue that is obviously out there. So the name calling, the insulting, the laughing. Just know, you are in the wrong because you're doing nothing, nothing but condoning and allowing the status quo to remain in place. You are allowing police to continue to kill people and some of you are justifying it people behind the defund the police movement are using their brains while you who are a detractor are likely filling your brain up with fox news bullshit or Ben Shapiro bullshit. Or Steven Crowder bullshit. Or Sam Harris bullshit. You're probably watching that shit every goddamn day. Instead of actually trying to be a productive member of society. And thinking about solutions for issues that clearly fucking exist. Look, the defund the police movement is synonymous with shit Socrates said back in the years of antiquity philosophy. In, in the whole, when you break down the defund the police movement, you're, you realize and you come to realize that it's about investing in society, investing in education, investing in mental health. Investing in measures that are better as preventative measures to crime, or, or better crime prevention measures. When you decide to actually listen to what is being called for in the defund the police movement, instead of being a piece of shit, ignorant idiot, 
you realize that they're calling for great things that have been said to be better at preventing crime for years and years and years and ages. And again, yes, dates back to Ant's equity. Invest more in education. Invest more in mental health, public health. Understand that, yes, there is socioeconomical issues that contribute to this, this same issue. Invest in neighborhoods and societies and communities that are clearly not getting investment. Invest in something that could most likely and would most likely work instead of investing in something that constantly, over and over and over again, proves to have no change whatsoever and has no different outcome whatsoever. We are doing the same thing over and over and over again. And the same result occurs over and over again. And over again. We are deliberately choosing to go fucking insane on this. The whole saying that uh, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again. Expecting a different outcome. There is an intellectual conversation to be had. When discussing the redefinition of policing. There is an intellectual conversation to be had when discussing the defund the police movement. There's intellectual conversation to be had in the conversation of demilitarizing the police. Writing off the movement completely allows the issue to continue. Obviously. If investing in the police is so good, why does the same shit constantly happen over and over again? Why is there still crime? If your goal, if your objective is to prevent crime, why isn't crime being prevented? If your goal, your objective is to protect and serve, why are you killing people? Why are we investing money in something that is clearly not fucking working? Why are we allowing the police to become a domestic military that, yes, is used against the American citizens, their own people? People being killed by these Americans, the Dante Wright, George Floyd, this 13-year-old boy 
Michael Brown. They're American citizens. They are people. And if we keep allowing the same shit over and over again, yes, in some instances, some very rare instances, the police are held accountable for their actions. Like now this uh, this woman has been charged with manslaughter. Derek Chauvin is in the middle of his murder trial. So sometimes we try to hold people accountable, the police officers accountable, but sometimes more frequently, there's, there's no justice. We've seen it over and over again, these cops get away with it. If you continue to allow that to happen, if you continue to allow that to happen, you continue to allow the power of the authoritative or the, the authority of these police to grow and grow and grow until, yes, we have an authoritative police state. Until we have a totalitarian regime. The right wing is, is worried about a left-wing totalitarian regime. Motherfucker, we're already there with, with uh, having authoritative authoritarian measures in, in our policing. We're allowing our police to be the judge, jury, and executioner. Some instances, we're allowing our police to be Gestapo police. Anyway, back to Dante Wright's death. Um, in his car with him was his girlfriend. His mother was on the phone. They were in the middle of a phone call. Um, so, a woman watched her boyfriend get killed. The mother listened as her, her son was killed. Um, of course, there have been protests, and of course, rightfully so. There has been some looting and some riots, sure. Is that a problem? Or is that the problem here? No. That's not the problem here. The problem is shitty policing. Policing that can't and won't be solved by reform. Policing, or an issue that, yes, again, I call for it as well, and I support the defund the police movement. Absolutely. Defund and demilitarize the police force. That's the compromise. That's the bare minimum here. People are rightfully angry. People are rightfully pissed off. I have a clip here that I want to play. Um, of a woman here. In, in the video. It, the video perfectly captures the legitimate grievance and frustration or grief and frustration and anger that people feel I'm gonna play it I've, I've been seeing a lot of things talking of the people making commentary um interestingly enough the ones I've noticed that have been making the commentary are wealthy black people making the commentary about we 
should not be um, rioting, we should not be looting, we should not be tearing up our own communities. And then there's been an argument of the other side of we should be hitting them in the pocket. We should be focusing on the blackout days where we don't spend money. Um, but, you know, I feel like we should do both. And I feel like I support both. And I'll tell you why I support both. I support both because there, when you have a civil unrest like this, there are three types of people in the streets. There are the protesters, there are the rioters, and there are the looters. The protesters are there because they actually care about what is happening in the community. They want to raise their voices and they are there strictly to protest. You have the rioters who are angry, who are anarchists, who really just want to shit up and that's what they're going to do regardless. And then you have the looters. And the looters almost exclusively are just there to do that, to loot. Now, people are like, well, what did you gain? Well, what did you get from looting? I think that as long as we're focusing on the what, we're not focusing on the why, and that's my issue with that. As long as we're focusing on what they're doing, we're not focusing on why they're doing. And some people are like, well, those aren't people who are legitimately angry about what's happening. Those are people who just want to get stuff. Okay, well then, let's go with that. Let's say that's what it is. Let's ask ourselves why in this country, in 2020, the financial gap between poor blacks and the rest of the world is at such a distance that people feel like their only hope and only opportunity to get some of the things that we flaunt and flash in front of them all the time is to walk through a broken glass window and get it. That they are so hopeless that getting that necklace, getting that TV, getting that change, getting that bed, getting that phone, whatever it is that they're going to get is that in that moment when the riots happen and if they present an opportunity of looting, that's their only opportunity to get it. We need to be questioning that why. Why are people that poor? Why are people that broke? Why are people that that food insecure, that clothing insecure, that they feel like they're only shot, that they are shooting their shot by walking through a broken glass window to get what they need. And then people want to talk about, well, there's plenty of people who pulled themselves up by their bootstraps and got it on their own. Why can't they do that? Let me explain to you something about economics in America. And I'm so glad that as a child, I got an opportunity to spend time at PUSH where they taught me this, is that we must never forget that economics was the reason that black people were brought to this country. We came to do the agricultural work in the South and the textile work in the North. Do you understand that? That's what we came to do. We came to do the agricultural work in the South and the textile work in the North. Now, if I right now, if I right now decided that I wanted to play Monopoly with you and for 400 rounds of playing Monopoly, I didn't allow you to have any money. I didn't allow you to have anything on the board. I didn't allow for you to have anything. And then we played another 50 rounds of Monopoly and everything that you gained and you earned while you were playing that round of Monopoly was taken from you. That was Tulsa. That was Rosewood. There are those are places where we built black economic wealth, where we were self-sufficient, where we owned our stores, where we owned our property, and they burned them to the ground. So that's 450 years. So for 400 rounds of Monopoly, you don't get to play at all. Not only do you not get to play, you have to play on the behalf of the person that you're playing against. You have to play and make money and earn wealth for them and then you have to turn it over to them. So then for 50 years, you finally get a little bit and you're allowed to play and every time that they don't like the way that you're playing or that you're catching up or that you're doing something to be self-sufficient, they burn your game.
They burn your cards. They burn your monopoly money. And then, finally, at the release and the onset of that, they allow you to play and they say, okay, now you catch up. Now, at this point, the only way you're going to catch up in the game is if the person shares the wealth, correct? But what if every time you share the wealth, then there's psychological warfare against you to say, oh, you're an equal opportunity higher. So if I played 400 rounds of Monopoly with you and I had to play and give you every dime that I made, and then for 50 years, every time that I played, I, if you didn't like what I did, you got to burn it like they did in Tulsa and like they did in Rosewood, how can you win? How can you win? You can't win. The game is fixed. So when they say, why do you burn down the community? Why do you burn down your own neighborhood? It's not ours. We don't own anything. We don't own anything. There is, Trevor Noah said it so beautifully last night. There's a social contract that we all have. That if you steal or if I steal, then the person who is the authority comes in and they fix the situation. But the person who fixes the situation is killing us. So the social contract is broken. And if the social contract is broken, why the f do I give a shit about burning the football hall of fame, about burning a f target? You broke the contract when you killed us in the streets and didn't give a f You broke the contract when for 400 years we played your game and built your wealth. You broke the contract when we built our wealth again on our own by our bootstraps in Tulsa and you dropped bombs on us. When we built it in Rosewood and you came in and you slaughtered us. You broke the contract, so your target. Your Hall of Fame. As far as I'm concerned, they could burn this bitch to the ground. And it still wouldn't be enough. And they are lucky that what black people are looking for is equality and not revenge. Media talking heads on CNN, Fox News, whatever can give their out-of-touch commentary on this shit, on these protests, these loots, these, the looting, the riots. But none of them speak truthfully. Because none of them are, are this woman. None of them, the story isn't theirs. The issue isn't theirs. The struggle isn't their struggle. Ultimately, this struggle becomes a societal struggle, a societal problem. But the people on CNN don't live with this. I don't live with this. So even my commentary here is out of touch. But I can realize that there is a serious fucking issue here. And I can realize that to react more about the looting and the riots and get upset about that more than a person being killed is fucking ridiculous. This woman who lives with the frustration that we just saw in this video, she lives with this frustration daily. She lives with this legitimate grief daily. And she is speaking truthfully about this grief, this anger, this frustration, this sadness, this heartbreak.
that's what we have to realize when we bitch and moan about the looting. People are being murdered by the police. American citizens are being murdered by the police. Charging individual officers with the crimes that they commit doesn't solve the problem. Yes, they should be held accountable, but still it doesn't solve the problem. Action solves the problem. We have to do something about... We have to do something about the policing issue that we fucking have here. And again, the bare minimum is defunding the fucking police. The bare minimum is demilitarizing the fucking police. And, uh, again, as I was filming this episode, or last night writing this episode, or in the day of writing this episode, the police killed another person, a 13-year-old, Adam Toledo. A child. A 20-year-old man. Father, mother, daughter, People. People are being killed by the police. That's un-American. If you believe in the Constitution, that's unconstitutional. And I shouldn't have to say that. It's disgusting that I even have to make that argument. But that's where we are. Um, there needs to be radical change. Radical. Absolutely. Anyway, I'm going to take another break. Uh, when I come back, we're going to talk about the U.S. involvement in the Saudi-led, uh, war in Yemen. Folks, welcome back again. Uh, now, on to the story of the uh, U.S. involvement in Yemen, or involvement in the war in Yemen. Um, news recently, the Biden administration is moving forward with a $23 billion weapons sale uh, to the United Arab Emirates, furthering our backing and involvement in the Saudi-led war in Yemen. Excuse me. The deal includes the sale of Lockheed Martin 5 or F F35 jets and armed drones. Um, 
This move again is Biden doing the exact opposite of what he ran on. After all, Biden uh, uh, constantly said he opposed the war in Yemen. He has said he wants to end the forever wars. Um, but here we are, still backing that war. Not only backing him, but, well, backing is in the form of uh, supplying weapons and, and fighter jets and uh, drones, armed drones. Um, again, this shows us just how uh, shitty our foreign policy is. I, I say this all the time in political discussions. Our foreign policy is atrocious. Our foreign policy has been atrocious for decades, uh, at least. That's an understatement. Um... It's jack shit. It's jack shit no matter who is president. Democrat, a Republican, Obama droned the fuck out of the Middle East. Uh, Trump droned the fuck out of the Middle East. Biden. I mean, look. Both Democrats and Republicans are horny for imperialism. And there's a reason. Um, we'll get to that shortly. Uh... Just because Biden won does not mean we're no longer an imperialistic empire. We are still an imperialistic empire. We support and back and further militarize other nations that also, uh, we encourage them in, in, in imperialism. More war and more war and more war and more death and we wonder why nations, other nations, despise America and look at America as this big enemy. Because when we're not bombing the fuck out of other places, we're supplying the bombs for other nations to bomb the fuck out of those other nations. That's American foreign policy. That's what American for America does best. That's an American first policy. That's a, a, a nationalistic, imperialistic uh, uh, foreign policy. And it's always been our foreign policy. Um, Biden packed his cabinet full of uh, war horny, but diverse uh, war hawks. At least they're diverse. At least we have some gay people in there. At least we have some trans people in there. At least we're... Uh, allowing an opportunity for woke war criminals. At least we're uh, going to be dropping bombs that come painted in rainbow color. At least we're going to be flying fighter jets that have a, a, a Black Lives Matter wing sticker. And at least we are, are dropping bombs that are a little bit more gay. This comes just after Biden announced that we're going to pull troops out of Afghanistan. That just happened this past week. By September 11th. Symbolically. Ending the forever wars. Claiming it's time again. Claiming again that it's time to end the forever wars. However, we're, we're, we're still going to strike this $23 billion deal to supply weapons and back the Saudi-led war in Yemen. 
That's not ending. We're just going from one war to another. It doesn't sound like uh, ending the forever wars. Joe Biden has spent his decades-long career, obviously, uh, being a pro-war hawk himself. America uh, has spent, in, their, in, in the country's existence, has spent decades as pro-war hawks. Uh, or at least many of our politicians have. Many of our citizens have, too. We, 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 excuse me for stuttering, we're horny for imperialism. We just, we, that's, that's America. Again, I keep repeating myself on this point. Um, we're apparently a, a country that cares about our democracy, but we'll bomb the shit and, uh, out of other countries and meddle in other countries and fuck with their democracy. And, and fuck with or overrule election results that we may not like in democratic uh, elections of other countries. We like our war, we like our imperialism because it makes us money. Capitalism. Capitalism, baby. The highest stage of capitalism, after all, is imperialism. As Lenin wrote. But anyway, uh, back to our involvement in the war in Yemen. The war has entered its seventh year. And this war has caused quite the human, humanitarian, human, human, humanitarian crisis. Sorry, I can't. I'm dyslexic. Cut me some slack. Um, the bombing is killing nearly 1,500 civilians every year. And on average, a quarter of those civilians are children. Since the war began, there have been about 23,000 23, 23, air raids and airstrikes. Furthermore, the, the, World, the World Food Program warns that because of this war, Yemen is heading towards the worst famine in modern history. Projections show that around 400,000 Yemeni children under the age of 5 could die from starvation by the end of this year. 400,000. Nearly, nearly half a million. But hey, at least we're making fucking bank, right? At least uh, our military uh, industrial complex continues to make us fucking money, baby. Uh, America's favorite slogan is, is profit over people. Whether it's our people being uh, shit upon so uh, corporations here can make profits or whether we're bombing the fuck out of people overseas to make money profit over people is America's secret slogan behind every presidential campaign Democratic and Republican MAGA is a distraction 
for profit over people. Build Back Better is a distraction for profit over people. If there is going to be a continuation of the U.S. imperialistic endeavors and the bombings and the backing of wars, the secret slogan of American presidents will always and will continue to be profit over people. And whatever slogan they use that becomes their popular slogan like MAGA or Build Back Better is just a distraction from the fact that the true slogan is profit over people. The America First policy. That's actually not so secretive. That tells you. America First tells you about the... Uh, 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 our horniness for... Imperialism. But hey... Thank God, uh, thank God President Biden, or thank God Biden is president now, so liberals who are okay with U.S. imperialism, because ultimately, neoliberalism still favors capitalism, and again, the highest stage of capitalism is imperialism, which is where we fucking are. I mean, we've been imperial, we've been an imperialistic empire for fucking decades, ages, years. So clearly they're okay with, uh, this because they continue to do it as well so now liberals can finally now that biden is president can finally enjoy uh brunch and bottomless mimosas with their conservative friends again and they can as many of these neolibs and these uh, have tweeted throughout the shrike in uh syria someone said uh paraphrase in here reading the news to see that Biden bombed Syria at least I know that it was most likely for a good reason essentially Libs their theory is if, if, if a Republican bombs another nation, it's bad. But if a Democrat bombs another nation, it's clearly good, even though it's the same fucking place that we're bombing for the same fucking reason. This deal is uh, this $23 billion weapons deal. Um, sorry, here. This was a, a note that I had on my phone, but uh, the weapons deal is a continuation or or a carryout of the uh, the deal was negotiated in the last days of the Trump administration. The truth is, uh, there's nearly no difference between. Trump's foreign policy and Biden's foreign policy. Chomsky has come out and said this. And, and and that's true almost all the time. Again, there is nearly no difference between a Republican foreign policy and a Democratic foreign policy. Again, except for the BLM sticker that may be on the, the wing of a fighter jet or the trans person that may be uh, 
giving the okay to bomb the fuck out of Syria. And that's not an attack on any of any of the, the, the like, it's an attack on America. Personal criticism of America. Uh, perhaps the greatest part <laughs> about our imperialistic endeavors is the big lie that we're protecting ourselves from the big bad enemy. The very evil, very powerful enemy that wants to destroy American values. Brown people overseas, clearly. But the truth is, the truth to that big lie is that we are the enemy. We are the big baddie. We are the imperialistic empire bombing the fuck out of people. But hey, at least we allow uh, gay war criminals and trans war criminals and, 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 and lesbian war criminals as opposed to, to Trump, right? Where we allow woke war criminals. It's like uh, one of the CNN articles about the uh, Biden decision to pull out of Afghanistan. Um, there was an article criticizing his decision to pull troops out of Afghanistan by September 11th of this year. That said, oh no, but what about the women's rights? What about the advancement of women's rights in Afghanistan that, that, like, bombing the fuck out of Afghanistan did anything for women's rights? Continuing the bomb, bombing the fuck out of your country is feminism. That's true feminism, dude. Killing civilians is, is feminism. And then, of course, we get mad and fool ourselves of hate when uh, there's a retaliation attack on our soil. There's a solution, a better solution to preventing terrorism here. And it's not going to war with... When we go to war with a, a country that... Attacked us. We're usually retaliating against retaliation for our original imperialistic fuck-up. So the, the, the solution, the true honest-to-God solution here is, is, is stop bombing the fuck out of other nations. It's called stop providing weapons to other nations and encouraging them to bomb the fuck out of other nations. Or, in some instances, stop providing weapons to the very groups that turn around and use those weapons to attack us in our country. Or, providing weapons for people who ultimately end up joining the groups that 
attack America. Our foreign policy is just breeds attacks on us. Our foreign policy angers people to provoke or, or to enrage and fool them with hate. So we can fill our citizens up with hate to justify wars that retaliate their retaliation. That's American foreign policy. It has always been American foreign policy. And the solution is to stop fucking doing that. That's a good uh, U.S. foreign policy is to stop being imperialistic or to stop being an imperialistic empire. To stop meddling in other countries' democratic elections and the results of their democratic elections. We as a country are literally the Eric Andre meme. Uh, you know the one I'm talking about where he's... She turns around and shoots and says, why would we, or why would, or, or why would so-and-so do this when he shoots himself? That's literally, that Eric Andre meme is literally us. What freedoms are we protecting here by bombing, killing, and stripping the freedoms from citizens and civilians of other countries? Hey, you know, uh, I pledge allegiance to the flag, right? I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, condoning every atrocity, every imperialistic atrocity we commit. For liberty under God, oh say can you see the bombing of other nations is required so we can make money and bank millions, money that many of the American citizens will never fucking see. The indoctrination of patriotism is, is propaganda. It's all our patriotism is, or the, the notion that we as American citizens need to be patriotic. Fucking propaganda, dude. America first. Right? America fucking first is a policy that says bomb the fuck out of other nations. The highest stage of capitalism is imperialism. The end game of neoliberal uh, uh, economics is, is fascism. And that's the route we're on. Here in America. Anyway, uh, this brings me to uh, a rather doomer end of another episode of uh, the, the podcast. Um, it, it, it's look, if you want to end the forever worse, you gotta you gotta not go from not gotta pull troops out from one war and go to supplying the weapons of another war and backing another war that is killing many civilians 
many of which are are, are children. Again, the number 400,000 children are expected to die by the end of this year from starvation as a consequence of this war, again, that the U.S. is backing. Anyway, uh, I'm Mark Swartz. This was the Politically Vulgar Podcast. Uh, Thank you for tuning in, as always. I will see you next week, and until then, stay safe, uh, stay healthy, wear a mask, take care, and uh, try to enjoy life, I guess. <laughs> I, I Look, I, I, I hate being Doomer, uh, but sometimes, you know, there's a reality that we have to acknowledge out there. Um, That when they say uh, troops are fighting for our freedoms, that often means the freedoms of others are being stripped. The rightful, deserved rights of, of other civilians in other countries are being stripped away. Um, I think one of the most disgusting things in American history is our foreign policy, our imperialism, and... Uh, Yes, I think our patriotism manufactures our consent into condoning such endeavors. And yes, uh, imperialism is the highest stage of capitalism. I recommend reading the, the essay by Vladimir Lenin on uh, imperialism, the highest stage of capitalism. Recommend reading Profit Over People by Noam Chomsky. Recommend reading uh, Manufacturing Consent, also by Noam Chomsky. Um, I'm coming out with a video recent uh, soon on my YouTube, a, a standalone video uh, covering some literature that I recommend uh, reading. Anyway, again, this was another episode of the Politically Vulgar Podcast. I was your host, Mark Swartz. Thank you for tuning in. Hopefully I see you next week. Um... Until then, take care. Hey folks, don't leave just yet. There's a bonus episode up on the Patreon. Uh, you can access the bonus po- uh, episode and other bonus content on the Patreon by becoming a Patreon or a patron for five bucks a month. Uh, again, there's going to be a bonus portion of the episode you just watched and further bonus episodes uh, in the future. Also, bonus content that may not be uh, uploaded on YouTube or or posted anywhere else where I would usually post content. So if you want to access bonus material uh, and, and, and be cool, uh, go ahead and, and become a patron for five bucks a month. And uh, if you do decide to do that, thank you. A big, big, big thank you. Uh, hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, see you next time. Uh, hope to see you in the bonus uh, episode. Cool.